You could have the most innovative product, the fanciest technology, and deliver the most optimized workflows. But no matter if you're a technology vendor or a healthcare provider or anywhere in between, you just can't escape the fact that good quality people are needed to make it all happen. So where are we going to find all these great people though? We're in an environment today where people are reconsidering what's really important to them, changing the way they work. And let's not mention the great resignation. Engaging and retaining good quality talent is really hard. And in this episode today, I'm joined by Deb Houston, who's been helping hiring managers find the right people for their business and helped job seekers get ready to make a good impression in their interviews. In this episode on the podcast, we're talking about the recruitment process and how it can make or break your reputation, how to engage top talent during the hiring process, and some of the mistakes to avoid when attracting staff, when recruiting. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Well, let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Deb Houston from Flox Consulting. She's got over 17 years of experience in recruitment and spent over 40,000 hours managing interview and hiring processes. And she's here to tell us some tips and tricks that she's learnt along the way. Deb, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, Pete. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. No, thank you so much. It's great to be here. 40,000 hours is a lot of hours. I don't know how what that equates to in a time, but we'll... <laughs> <laughs> that's probably underestimated as well. The life of recruiters, not a normal nine to five. No, no, that's very true. That's a, that's a lot. And it's something that many people will actively avoid, but probably not the right thing to do. But we're going to dive into that in a bit more detail. But first, I want to learn a bit more about you and what you do. Give us some bit more context, please. Okay, thanks, Pete. Um, so as you mentioned, I was a recruiter for 17 years, started in the UK and then moved to Australia 11 years ago, where I continued working in that space. But out of those 17 years, 12 of those were dedicated to the health tech, healthcare, med device, pharmaceutical space. Last year, I decided that I wanted to progress. Actually, I'm a product of the great resignation. Oh, yeah. I call it the great realisation, not the great resignation. COVID helped me realise, gave me some downtime to think about my career after 17 years of helping others with theirs. And I came to the decision that I was ready to embark upon entrepreneurship and set up in my own business. One of the things I've found over the years is that 80% of managers that I spoke to would tell me that they never had any training or support in learning how to hire and recruit for their business. So I knew that was a shortfall in the market and obviously working with candidates and job seekers for so many years I know that there's so many of them that can have a great resume but then don't know how to sell themselves or show up properly in interviews so I chose a niche where I'm an expert in interview and hiring processes and my business is centered around both sides because it takes two to tango so I provide career coaching and job searching services resume writing things like that and on the hiring side, I teach you everything from writing an advert, what a recruitment process involves, how to interview, how to spot top talent, and then how to engage them and want to work for your business. And so that's what my business flocks, coaching and consulting is what it's called. I think about my own experience of learning, I guess, in inverted commas, the, or just experiencing the recruitment process from a hiring manager's perspective. 
And really it was just coming along to other interviews and seeing what the person before me was doing. And then I took some bits that they did and there was a lot of trial and error. And I probably messed up a lot of job interviews along the way and probably tried to learn and grow from there. But yeah, you're right. Often people haven't gone through, say, any form of coaching or training when it comes to recruitment. They kind of just learn things on the go. So I can see the value add there for sure. And then what happens there is because you are just picking up on what other people have been doing. You, you have a process that you're following, but you don't understand why. You know, you've heard somebody ask X interview question. So you now ask that in your job hiring process. But what's the meaning behind the question? Why is it being asked? And that's what happens a lot of times as well. We just do things because that's the way it's done around here, as opposed to having a purpose behind it. Yeah. I've also worked in recruitment environments where in a larger corporate where it's like, this is the questions that you ask. And there's no room for, you know, moving from this bit of paper and just go through because then you provide a consistent process towards recruitment and then everyone knows what's going on. It's really hard to do, especially with someone like me who's all over the place often the time. So that in itself, how do you find that balance between bringing an interviewer's kind of approach to things, but in like, say, a larger organization? Because as you said, you've worked with some of the, the larger organizations like the pharma and med device side where everything is regulated, even right down to the recruitment process. Yeah, exactly. I think it's about defining what's right for you and what's your business. I mean, even in larger corporates, you know, even the, the definition of the hiring process in a larger corporate might be that there is a initial screen with HR then a first stage interview with two line managers, a second stage with a one up, for example, or a director, and then references an offer. But within that broader process, there needs to be some individualization and personality that comes into it. No role within any business is the same. So if no role is the same and the purpose of the role within the business isn't the same, you can't ask the exact same questions throughout. And also as well, like regardless of what side of the table that you're sat on, it's a sales exercise. It's a self-promo exercise. You know, you've got to be able to sell yourself. You've got to be able to sell your business. You know, you've got to be able to talk about culture. And even within a corporate You've got the overarching culture, which each individual team will have its own culture. So there has to be a differentiation. You've got to be able to tweak the overarching process to suit your individual team as well, which I think sometimes is where there's a disconnect. That's an interesting point you raise around the recruitment process being essentially like a branding exercise, because often you go into the process to fill a specific need, like I need a person. And yeah, you you want to be able to paint the role in in the best possible light. But talk to me a bit more about how you think about recruitment being a branding exercise. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I talk about this so much is because I've been on the receiving end of having to help companies pick up the pieces in terms of mending their damaged reputation um, because of bad hiring processes. So, you know, in terms of branding, the minute you advertise a vacancy, it's a marketing exercise. The way that you write your advert, the language that you utilize, how you're selling the business, how you're talking about the role, that is your future employee's first interaction with the brand and the business. So that's kind of like something first up that you've got to think about. You know, are you really speaking to your ideal employee through the advert? I often hear as well, I don't get people applying to the job advert. Well, what does your ideal employee look like and who are you speaking to? You've got to connect with them on that language perspective. 
And then from a branding exercise, it's around communication, like engage, I suppose, operating the process professionally. Little things like if somebody takes the time and effort to write a resume, and resumes are not a one size fits all, a good applicant will be tailoring their resume for every different job. Somebody sat down and taken some time to write a resume and write a cover letter and take interest in your company, you know, they deserve a response. And whether that's an email that just says, thank you so much, but on this occasion, you've been unsuccessful, it's still a touch point. There's so many stories of applicants going into the abyss of cyberspace, never hearing again, and that that will sit with them. And, you know, the age old saying an unhappy customer will tell 10 people that they're satisfied. That happens a lot in job searching and recruitment processes. So it's all about how you make the applicant feel and that feeling that they walk away with is how they're going to remember your brand. And I know, you know, most of the listeners that we're talking to today are healthcare. The person who's applied to your business could be the son, brother, sister, daughter, cousin, grandma, whatever, to your major KOL, to your major supplier, to your desired supplier. It's a small industry. But yeah, how you make people feel and how you treat them really, really can make or break your reputation in the market. And it's sad to hear that it does happen a lot. I remember as a recruiter, I'd call people and say, I've got a vacancy with XYZ company. And the response would be, I've heard terrible things about them. They don't even give feedback after interviews or they don't respond to applications. You know, as hearsay goes round, it's all damaging to your brand. Yeah. You look at, say, some larger organizations and they might, you know, set up the infrastructure or people or team members to be able to do that. And they see the value there of being at least able to you know, that got the time and capacity to be able to respond to every applicant, even by an automated message or whatever it might be. I think when it comes to those startups and scale-ups, whether they're vendors or also, you know, the clinics around that are looking to fill roles, when you're a busy founder or owner of a business, the last thing you think about is responding to the people who didn't make it through the next process, unless you've given that kind of thought about the bigger picture. And like you say, it's a small industry I and mean, you see plenty of examples where people bump into each other all the time. So it's really important. Yeah. And as you say, even if it's just an automated response to say, we've completed shortlisting, you know, thank you so much for your interest in X company. We've now shortlisted candidates for interview. You've not been successful at this stage. It's still a communication point, isn't it? And they've not been ghosted. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't leave a good impression. But then thinking about from a recruiting manager's perspective as well, and as we kind of touched on, I guess in a way you and me both are products of the great resignation in inverted commas and the changing dynamic and more people expecting to work from home or have some flexibility, such an exciting time to be, you know, here. But at the same time, it's a bit disruptive for hiring managers to find good quality people. How are you finding it on the ground in terms of what it's like to engage top talent or how do you go about engaging and finding some top talent to fill some of these difficult roles? Yeah, I think it's interesting as well, because there's definitely been a shift. Two and a half years ago, all interviewing was done face to face, wasn't it? Now a lot of it's switched to virtual. I've seen a big change and a lot of things going back to face to face again. So there's been an adaptation and a shift from both sides. Look, I think engaging top talent 
it all comes down to whether it's virtually or whether it's face to face. It comes down to, you know, when you're interviewing is like dating. It really is. Um, You know, when you go on a first date, you're looking for connection. You're looking to be in sync. Like you've got to be on the same wavelength. And then you make a decision as to when you want to see that person again. So, you know, if you treat your hiring process and your interview processes as you would as if you were dating for a long term partner, you start to understand it a bit more. And, you know, when you're hiring someone for your business, it is like entering into a long term relationship. You know, you're not in it for the short haul. Um, so in terms of engaging, you've got to listen to what the person's saying. It's I always say, I keep on coming back to this. It takes two to tango. And where it goes wrong is if it's a one sided interview. You know, the applicant gets asked lots of questions. There needs to be time for them to interview you as well, because they're ultimately also making a decision. But in terms of the engaging piece, this is all around the communication. So you've got to speak to their desires. So if you think about it as a hiring manager, your pain point is that you've got a vacancy and you need someone to fill it. So the applicant will be trying to speak to your pain point to tell you how they can solve your problem. When an applicant sat in front of you, they're telling you their career goals, their desires, their values. So how you engage them is you need to speak the same language as them. Show them that you've listened, you know, mirror that language because then they'll really kind of start to get a feel for having been heard. And if you think about the reasons why a lot of people are leaving their current organisations, disconnect with hiring managers, no developments, you know, you've got to be able to tell them that you can offer them what they're looking for. But a lot of it comes down to that engagement piece. Show them that you're listening, you know, say to them, you said that you're looking for X, Y, Z in an employer. This is how we as a business can help you achieve and visualize those goals. But then from there, the engagement doesn't stop after the interview. It comes with the follow-up. It's how you follow up. Tell the applicant that you were excited to meet them. You thoroughly enjoyed it and you're looking forward to meeting them again. You know, speak to them every couple of days. If you don't want to play phone tag, do a simple voice note, you know, via LinkedIn, do a voice note. We can't wait to meet for your next interview. Second stage interview will entail. It's an extra layer of connection to keep them engaged. In a candidate short market, every applicant you're talking to is probably interviewing with another 10 companies. So what can you do to stand out? You know, why should they pick you over any other organization? Yeah. Some great advice there. And it's really setting that expectation early in terms of what it's like to work with this organization. And it can be hard, especially if you're interviewing a number of candidates, you know, quite often you forget that this is the first time they're engaging with you, even though you've told that story a hundred times before. So yeah, it's important things to remember that. Yeah. We can't assume that they know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Look, I could probably make a big long list of mistakes I've made when recruiting people, but I'm, make me feel a little bit better. How about you tell me about some of the common mistakes you've seen that uh, others have made when looking to recruit from a hiring manager's perspective? Yeah. So look, one of the biggest mistakes, I think most people listening to this will chuckle when I say it, because I think we're all guilty of it, is not taking the time to think about what you really want and what you really need before you even write the job advert. And how this transpires is when you're not clear on what you want and why. Because I think if you ask yourself that powerful question, why, 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 you start to realize maybe it's not as important as what you thought it was. And what happens is you get halfway through the interview process, you're interviewing talent, your energy starts to drop, you're not really finding what you want. 
or what you're hoping to find, there's a mismatch and then you have to go, the penny drops, you're interviewing candidates that are not right for your job or your company and you have to go all the way back to the beginning and um, to restart the process again, which obviously it impacts time, money, you know, everything on your business. So and you've interviewed people that you didn't need to. So that's one of the biggest things that I always say. And then there's a difference as well between what you want and what you need, which is quite interesting. So that's kind of like a main one that I see. Not being realistic in terms of expectations and salary. You know, I think from a, a smaller business as well or scaling, yes, there's asking people to wear multiple hats, but there's also remunerating in accordance with what the job should pay. So I think that can be a mistake as well, is being unrealistic you know, if you can only afford 80,000 a year, have a look at what somebody can do for 80,000, not try and pay 80,000 for two jobs, which would be 160. Um, so that's uh, another mistake that I see. Not hiring based on your strengths and weaknesses as a manager is a huge mistake I see and how it actually impacts on you losing the best talent in the market. So what I mean by that is you should hire to fill your weaknesses not hire somebody who meets your strengths. And I know a lot of it comes from being time poor as a manager. Um, you don't have time to train people. But let's say your strength is your product knowledge. You really need to hire somebody with the connections and with the product knowledge if you've got that. You know, maybe you should be hiring somebody who's good at sales analytics or market analytics or something which you're weak in. So that's a big mistake I see as well. Something on that one too, I find that like naturally you're drawn to people who are similar to you and you're like, oh, this person's awesome because they also like this thing and they're just as frazzled and weird as I am. I'm just thinking from my own personal experience. But then sometimes you do need someone who's like a bit external to the process to be able to say, well, this is, even though what you just said made logical sense to me, it's a great reminder because that's something that you inherently just tend to prefer someone who you feel like you could probably go and have a drink with at the pub or something. Yeah. And I think as human beings, we are naturally drawn to people that are similar to us. Yeah. But if you're trying to grow a team or, you know, expand a business, then you need to hire people that are stronger in the areas that you're weak. Because if not, you're going to have two of you weak in the same area, which will be two of you taking time out of your day, trying to fathom out what to do when that situation arises. So, but yeah, and I get it, you know, as business leaders, we can be time poor, but long-term gain. Yeah. And I think as well, it's really important at that point too. I think that's where the importance around diversity in teams comes into because it's, you know, not just around skills and capabilities, but looking at the makeup of your team. And if it's not an environment that's inviting to what is representative of the broader community or your audience or whoever you're trying to speak to, I think that if it's all pow mal and style, which is the term that I'm really enjoying this year, which is a lot of fun to say, but it's something that is in, this is an ideal time in the recruitment process to make sure you've got the right mix, be it in skills and also diversity more broadly across the, the space too. Absolutely. And another one I'd add into that as well is um, value alignment. Yeah. If the applicant is not on the same page as your company values, there's going to be disconnect from day one. They're never going to be invested into the business long term. So I think personal values and kind of career values come into great alignment when interviewing. And the other key mistakes I make are, I suppose, being assumptive, not keeping in contact with the applicant after the interview. Communication is key. Um, one of the ladies I'm working with at the moment in my career coaching services, three weeks it took to get an update three weeks 
And, um, you know, she was like, I think they've just moved on to somebody else. And then out of the blue, they suddenly contacted her and she's now at final stage with three other companies. So communication is key. Again, going back to dating, if you don't hear from somebody after a couple of days, you mm-hmm. move on. You're mm-hmm. assuming they're not interested. <laughs> so, yeah, not selling yourself or the business in a job interview is a huge mistake as well. You know, an applicant needs to make a decision whether they want to work with you and for your business. So if you're not pitching why you're the right solution and what you can offer them, that's a huge missed opportunity, huge miss. And it can also leave the applicant feeling that you're not interested in them if you don't try and get them across the line or, you know, show them that you're a a good place for them to grow. I think the other major mistake is just about candidate experience. And it goes back to that branding thing that I spoke about, um, you know, how you make an applicant feel during a hiring process is a taster of what they're experiencing if they were your employee. So if you don't give them a good experience, they'll assume that that's an indication. It's the first impression and the last impression if they go and take another job elsewhere. No, that's right. No, well, look, there's some great insights there. And I know you've got a big longer list too that I'm sure others could get (laughs) from you from all that experience that you have. I guess, lastly, then thinking about, you know, moving forward, how is it that people usually engage with you? How should they get in touch and see what's happening with Phlox? And what's the best time to get in touch with Deb about engaging in relation to recruitment? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can contact me via LinkedIn, Deb Houston. My website is flox, which is P-H-L-O-X hyphen consulting.com.au. And there's various ways that you can contact me through there. Contact us, um, set up a discovery call. All of my services and offerings are located on there. So whether you're looking for one-on-one hiring coaching or group workshops, training sessions for your hiring teams, um, that yeah, there's a solution or even just a one-hour strategy call I offer as well. So various different ways you can recruit. But yeah, so um, if you're a smaller business, I help you recruit so that you don't have to pay a large recruitment cost. You know, even if you're a larger business, I can help you nail the interview process and the recruitment process, even if you are working with a recruiter for resumes. So no, I can see the value there. Look, we'll put the details in the show notes of the episode for people to check out and they can reach out. Also know active in the THT plus community as well. And I'm keen to do something in relation to making sure people have got the right resources and connections in relation to finding the quality staff. And maybe we'll do something on the job seekers side next time too. There's lots that we can explore on the other side as well but we'll leave it for this episode here deb i really appreciate you making the time thank you so much you're welcome pete thank you it's been a pleasure thanks for listening to talking health tech make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information visit talkinghealthtech.com